0: please. If you have a Bible, I hope that you do. We're going to finish out, Lord, we're going to finish out Revelation 21 tonight. Revelation chapter 21. Um, Revelation chapter 21. And uh, we'll read verses 9 through 27 tonight. Uh, Revelation chapter 21 verses 9 through 27. So, um, and then lord willing we'll uh, i think another week or two in revelation and then we'll be finished uh, with uh, with the book but revelation chapter 21 verses 9 through 27 uh, revelation 21 9 through 27 and if you're physically able to do so do let me ask you to stand as we honor the reading of god's holy and written word revelation 21 beginning in verse 9 going through verse 27 hear the word of the lord that's given to us this evening And there came to me one of the seven angels who had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues and talked or spoke with me saying, come here, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God in her light was like to a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone clear as crystal. "...and had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and, that, and, and at the gates twelve angels, and the names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he that talked or spoke with me had a golden reed to measure the city." And the gates thereof, and the wall thereof, and the city lies foursquare, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs, or literally 1,500 miles. The length and the breadth of the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof, a hundred and forty and four cubits, according to the measure of the man that is also of the angel. And the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like to clear glass." And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first found, uh, the first found uh, foundation was jasper. The second, sapphire. The third, chalcedony. The fourth, an emerald. The fifth, sardonyx. The sixth, sardis. The seventh, chrysolite. Uh, the eighth, beryl. The ninth, topaz. The tenth, uh, chrysophrase. Uh, the eleventh, jacinth. And the twelfth, an amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate. Every several gate. Was of one pearl, and the city of the gate was pure gold, and it was transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did enlighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by the day, for there shall be no night there and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it, and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defiles, neither whatsoever works abomination, or makes a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word now. Help us, guide us, direct us, we pray as we take up this text. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thinking you can be seated. Uh, this passage is, without a doubt, probably um, resoundingly draws from the Old Testament. It resoundingly draws from the old, from great Old Testament imagery. I mean, we've seen a lot of that uh, as as we've as we've looked at uh, the Book of Revelation. We've seen a lot of Old Testament imagery that the Lord Jesus has invoked uh, and has revealed, uh, after all, the Old Testament is simply the New Testament uh, uh, veiled, and the New Testament is the Old Testament unveiled. So we, we understand with greater clarity what it was that the prophets saw, what, what it was that uh, men like Ezekiel saw, for instance, as they were ri- as they were writing. John now makes clear, the Lord Jesus now through the apostle John makes clear, um, and, and so John constantly throughout the book of Revelation has constantly been been shown Old Testament text after Old Testament text after Old Testament text and cl- connecting over and over again the prophecies and the types and the shadows of the Old Testament and f- pointing us to their fulfillment ultimately in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the Lord Jesus Christ and, and by, by, uh, uh, by understanding them through the church. Um, and so Christ has revealed Himself, and when you and I think of the Book of Revelation, hopefully what we think of is a is a very rich and beautiful um, tapestry. I don't know if that's the right word. Uh, uh, just a just a beautiful uh, work of of, uh, of art, where whereby God has God has shown us all sorts of wonderful and shows us all sorts of wonderful and beautiful. Um, uh, colors and imagery and all sorts of beautiful things as we've walked through the book of Revelation, realizing also that it's a very complex book, right? This isn't, this isn't, a, uh, this isn't a, just a pick up and uh, just meander uh, thoughtlessly through and, and eventually you'll get there. The book of Revelation takes a lot of thought. It takes a lot of, 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 of searching of, of the Old Testament text as well as the other passages in the New Testament. And this passage of scripture that we come to tonight in Revelation chapter 21 verses uh, nine through 27, is no different. It is no different, because Revelation chapter 21, um, verses nine through 27, is the fulfillment, the ultimate fulfillment of Isaiah or I'm sorry, of Ezekiel's prophecy and, and vision that he had in Ezekiel chapters 40 through 48. Now, we don't have time to go through and read all of those chapters, right? There's eight chapters and there's a lot of things there, but uh, hopefully I'll point out maybe a few things here and there as we go through this. But know this that what Ezekiel describes in Ezekiel chapter 40 through 48, John now describes seeing that the angel reveals to him in Revelation chapter 21. John just simply talks about it in much more in depth detail. Or, yeah, Ezekiel talks about it in much more in-depth detail than, to what John, and than what John sees. And it is amazing, so let me just point out a couple different things, because it is amazing as we launch into this, in both visions, in Ezekiel's vision as well as now John's vision, both of them are said that they were taken up onto a high mountain. Both of them were taken up to a high place. Um, and they were shown a vision, both of them. Ezekiel saw a temple and then a, and then the city, John a city. Both the prophet and the apostle were instructed to measure um, and and as I said, you can we could go on and on and on and on and and we'll do that a little bit more next week, Lord willing, as we get into revelation chapter twenty two uh, particularly the first five verses, I think continues on to uh, to help us understand exactly what's going on. Uh, in, uh, that that we start understanding in revelation chapter twenty one but it is in fact revelation twenty one here at the end of the chapter nine through twenty seven is the fu- ultimate, ultimate fulfillment of ezekiel 's prophecy and vision in Re- ezekiel chapter forty verses forty eight it, it is interesting that um, it is interesting that as you note um Notice what John says here, opening it up in in his vision here. What does he say in verse 9? He says, And there came to me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, or spoke with me, saying, Come here, I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. Now, I know much much has been made that this is a literal city, and I'm not going to say that it might not be a literal city, but I do find it interesting that John says, that, G- that the angel says to John, let me show you the bride. Now, who is the bride? Who have we already been introduced to To the bride? Well, we've already been introduced to her, to her back in Revelation chapter 19. And she is us, right? And yet here, John now says, or the angel now says to John, John, let me show you the bride. And he takes John up to a high mountain and he doesn't show her a myriad and groups of people he shows him a city why would jo- why would the angel do that well again because it is because uh, the angel the lord jesus is showing through the angel the apostle to the apostle john a greater reality by using an image he's taking a greater reality uh, the, the, that we are the people of God, the bride of Christ, perfectly adorned for Christ, and he's using it in a, in a, in a visual form. He's using that in a visual form, a literal or a, a city, uh, a four-squared city, right? And as we'll see, there's a, there's a lot going on here, uh, 15, walls that are 1,500 miles high, walls that are 1,500 miles long and, and, and 4 square, 1,500 miles all around, it is, uh, this is a, a, a massive uh, diagram, as we'll see, of God's perfect uh, working uh, through the people of God, gathered together or kept secure in this new heavens, in this new earth for the glory of God, with God Himself dwelling in our midst in that day. And it's interesting that, that as I said, that this holy city, this New Jerusalem, was coming down out of heaven from God, right, we're told symbolizes, or I think at least clearly we see that it symbolizes God's people kept and God watching over them. And remember what Ezekiel said, right, remember what Ezekiel said that the name of this new Jerusalem will be in Ezekiel chapter 48 verse 35, right, and the name of the city from that time on shall be, the literal rendering is the Lord is there, that would be the, that The Lord is there. And that's in Ezekiel forty eight, thirty five. But in verse two of Revelation twenty one, we were explicitly told that John saw the city, right, coming down out of heaven. Right? That's what he says. John twenty one, or Revelation twenty one, verse two. And, and, and I, John, saw the holy city in New Jerusalem coming down from God, out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And again, in verse nine here. But again, who is the bride? It's not the city. Right? It's it's not a city. What is what is the bride? It is the people of God. It is the people of God. And we need to keep that in mind as we're thinking through this and looking at this. God has placed what what we are, what the church is in visual imagery so that we can better understand what God has done is doing and will do. Right? And so we need to understand that, that, that this new Jerusalem clearly symbolizes the church in her glorified and consummated state. And this new Jerusalem represents the bride of Christ. I mean, this shouldn't really surprise us ultimately, right, to find a physical thing such as a city, representing the people of God in the book of Revelation. I mean, after all, I mean, John spent an inordinate amount of time talking about the whore of Babylon, um, and uh, but she was not a real person. She was a representative for a for a, a city, right? So it shouldn't, it shouldn't surprise us, right, when there's so much imagery here in the book of Revelation that we now see God using the city imagery right because in the old in the old world right like when we think of cities right we think of we think of living in a place like there's no there's no walls there's no there's no need for walls we have you know we have a national uh, we have we have police we have we have city police officers we have uh, county police officers we have state police officers we have national guard we have we have uh uh we have uh, the the military the the national the military should we need them but you have to remember in the Old Testament, or in, in, in the ancient, ancient world, cities were walled for a reason. Cities were walled for a reason. And it was to protect and to safeguard those who were inside because um, they did not have the, uh, the, the the blessings that we often carry with us and we have today. And so here the New Jerusalem sits in contrast with that which has already been destroyed, mystery Babylon, who God has already made desolate and destroyed, and has laid her waste. Right? Um, and do you remember? Do you remember in Revelation 11 how God uses the imagery there to to remind us of of His work and the of the temple and the altar and those who worship there were measured. But the courtyard was left exposed and given to the trampling of the Gentiles. You, you, you remember that, hopefully. If not, I would encourage you to go back and read Revelation 11 because it's important that we that we get this before us, right? And, and so symbolized there in that, in that passage in Revelation 11 was, I think, the church uh, symbolized not in her glory as she is here, but rather in her present condition, uh, measured and kept secure and safe now, but that's there's more to the story and God says here in Revelation 21 this is the end of the story God is going to present himself a spotless wife to his son God's going to present to the to the son a spotless wife not without blemish as Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 5 um, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word and, and, and to present himself uh, a bride, spotless in splendor, without spot or wrinkle. And in, in all of this, 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 is, this is at the heart of what we're seeing here. This is at the heart of what the Lord Jesus is revealing through the angel to the apostle John, to the first century Christians, as well as to us. And notice that the bride of Christ here in Revelation 21 is meant to be contrasted. As I said, it's meant to be contrasted with that, with that wicked other wicked city, Babylon, the harlot, right? And just as earthly Babylon and heavenly Jerusalem are contrasted, so Christ's bride and the dragon's woman are contrasted. Christ's bride and the dragon's woman are contrasted here. And in verse 9, again, listen to what it says here in verse 9. And there came to me one of these seven angels which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues and talked with me, saying, Come here, I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. Now, if you don't believe me, go back, flip backwards in Revelation chapter 17. Let me show you this. In Revelation 17, verse 1. And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying to me, Come here. And I will show you the judgment of the great whore that sits upon many waters. You see the contrast there. The two cities in complete contrast to one another. Just as earthly Babylon and the heavenly Jerusalem are to be contrasted, so again, so again is Christ's bride and the dragon's woman. It's interesting that God continually, and, and not just there, and, and I don't have time to go through all the other um. All the other, um Contrasts here, but you, if you read Revelation 21 uh, and 22, and you read Revelation 17, for instance, I think that'll be a good place. It'll give you a good starting point for understanding the contrast between the church and the dragon's false, uh, the dragon's uh, concubine, his his woman. Um, and so we need to understand that that this is a vision of of um, of of, a, of, a, of, a, of an almost exact comparison. It's hard to miss. This is hard to miss as you read it, right? Um, and it's amazing that as we, as we consider this, we see the world and all of her rotten pleasure ending. In their, their end is desolation and destruction because they do not delight in the Lamb of God. But the, but the bride of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, is victorious not because of herself, not because of, our, not because of our, our obedience to Christ and our ability to be good enough, but because of the Lord Jesus Christ, because of his grace, his mercy, his work of salvation done in us and through us for the glory of God. It's Christ that is at work in us. It is Christ who saved us. It is Christ who sought us. It is Christ who died for us when we hated Him and we did not love Him and we did not seek after Him. He loved us. When in Romans chapter 5, it says that He died for sinners and wretches, not for good and righteous people. Enemies of God to make them sons and daughters of the King. And so... It is interesting here that in Revelation 17.3, for instance, it's, we're told, <clears throat> this will be the last thing I'll show you. It says, "And he carried me away in the spirit spirit into the wilderness, and now I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of the names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. But in Revelation 21.10, it says, And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain. So notice that contrast. And showed me that great city. There's another one. The Holy Jerusalem. There's another one. Descending out of heaven from God. There's another one. Because by it descending, as John tells us, uh, as John reveals to us in Revelation 21 2 as well, by New Jerusalem descending from heaven, what does it automatically tell us? This is by God's hand alone. This is what God has accomplished, God has done through the cross of Jesus Christ. Through the cross, God has prepared a people for himself. Through the cross, God has, God has carried us away uh, to, to, and made us part of that heavenly city, new, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And it's introducing the vision, right? It, it, it's, it's, it's um, again... Um, hard to hard to miss the contrast between the 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 holy one and the evil one and their their brides or their uh, their his the Lord's bride and the devil's woman. So let's take a moment just to look at the bride of Jesus Christ in all of her glory, uh, because it is it is an amazing picture that John gives to us here in Revelation chapter twenty one of the bride of Christ. Because in in verse ten John says. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, right? The first thing that John is struck by is what? What is it that he is struck by? He is struck by the radiant light of God's glory in in this new city, this great city. City this holy city, Jerusalem, this sending out of heaven, right he showed me, and that 's why he uses the, the the two words that great city right he says that great city too as a descriptor right it 's a description of of john of what john saw it's a it 's a radiant description of what John has seen, and I will say this if you think you 've heard this before. It's because you have. If you go back to the in the book of Revelation in chapter four, flip back there with me. Revelation chapter four. I want to show you something here. In Revelation chapter four, verse three, listen to what it says. And this will come into more and in, more into into uh, into cl- clarity once we get through this. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone and there was a rainbow around about the throne in sight like an emerald. So John is saying this was a glorious, wonder-filled sight that he saw. This was an amazing sight. And notice how John talks about the description of what he saw uh, on, uh, of the throne and what was on and the, and the one who was on the throne. He didn't see the one that was on the throne, but he saw, he saw him through a prism, if you will. Uh, all these majestic colors that just came shining and brightly through, right? And it's amazing because John will now pick up this same idea and begin talking about this type of a rainbow in revelation chapter 21 by he's, by he talk, he talks about um in going on down to verse uh, in verse 19 right the foundation was jasper sapphire chalcedony emerald sardonyx sardis chrysolite. on and on he goes this is all from the same where where is this this city getting her radiance from not herself not herself from Christ not herself but from Christ and it says that the entire city was filled with its glory there's an amazing beautiful picture here it says and he had a great and and, and this city had a great and high Wall, or wall great and high, and had twelve gates. And when it says gates here, um, you don't necessarily need to think like uh, in in medieval times, you know, or even in today's time, you know, where it says, well, you know, I had to go through the through the gate to to get to the house, or you know, all the old. Uh, um, the old uh, castles that you had to go through the castle gate to get there. Um, these were more like these. These are gate passageways, right? So there's no there's no gate to keep it out, but these are more like passageways, gate passageways that are always open uh, with angels there. So think in in that sense as as we're as we're thinking about this. And it says that the angels were there to to guard this great and high city again. 1,500 miles tall the walls were, 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles long. I mean, this place was a massive, uh, perfect square. Let me ask you something. Does the four square remind you of anything? It should. It should. You say, well... Off the top of my head, Pastor, it's Mother's Day and I'm tired. I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, well, let me just tell you. The Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was perfectly square. It was a four-square structure in which the Lord himself dwelled. And here we have a four-squared structure in which the Lord himself again dwells. The church of Jesus Christ has become the dwelling place of our God and his people. The city is perfectly secure. Earlier in the book of Revelation, the 12 tribes of Israel, we we talked about them, right? Uh, And and we talked about Jew and Gentile and how they all worked out and how, how the 12 gates that John saw earlier were the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel, right? Inscribed on them. Well, here in verse fourteen, we read this, and the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. So, so, uh, so, let me back up here in verse twelve, um, and it says, and and had a great uh, a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and the gates twelve angels, and name and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel, and on the three gates on the north, three gates on the south, three gates uh, on the uh, and sorry on the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the west, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And then verse 14, And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb, or the Lord Jesus Christ. Where have we heard this phrase in the New Testament before? Where have we heard that Jesus Christ has become the stone which the builders rejected? And he has built upon this foundation, this capstone, the apostles and the prophets, the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't know, go read the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter two, verses uh, verse eighteen through uh, twenty-two. Paul is very specific, right? That we're no longer strangers or aliens; we are all fellow citizens. That is, that we're now all saints and members of the household of God. And we're all built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And he says, Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. Right? And it's through Christ being this chief cornerstone that the entire, the entire structure is being joined together. Now, you say, well, that's great. But let's go back to Ephesians chapter 2 because I want to show you that John or Paul, I've got John in my head, Paul uses a, an interesting phrase here. In Ephesians chapter 2. Look with me in verse 22. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 22. In whom you also are built together. For a habitation of God through the spirit. Now the King James uses the word habitation. There's nothing wrong with that. That, That's fine. Um, But the a, a rendering of that would literally be for a temple of god through the spirit or a dwelling place of god through the spirit which has again temple understanding and so john is or paul is literally saying that we we who are in christ are being built up together into a dwelling place for God the Holy Spirit, but how? Well, if you go back up, right, back up just a little bit, just one verse here, right? What, is it, what does it say to us in, in, in Ephesians chapter 2, right? Because if you, if, you doubt, if you doubt this, right, go back to verse 21. In whom all the building fitly framed together grows to a holy temple. In the Lord. Paul is very clear. Paul is very clear. That we are the temple of God. And we are secure. Paul is very clear here. Just as John is. And in verse 15. The angel goes on. Or John relates to us, and it says, "And he he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city, and the gates thereof, and the wall thereof." Again, just like in Ezekiel chapter forty through forty-eight, right? And it's it's amazing because a, as you go through here, do you know the one? So every time you read scripture, the one rule you should you should have right is. Does something keep popping up over and over and over again? And if it does, then what's the purpose for that? Well, as you read Revelation 21, there is something that continues to pop up over and over and over and over again. Do you know what that number is? It is the number 12. It is the number 12. John does the same thing back in Revelation chapter seven. Twelve thousand from the tribe of Judah, twelve thousand from the tribe of Reuben and Gad and Simeon, and on and on and on he goes. Well, here John continues to say, "Hey, twelve is very important here, right? right? These are twelve thousand. Uh, um, some translations would be twelve thousand stadia here, right? This is this is a uh, uh, twelve tribes, twelve apostles, right?" Uh, uh, You know, all of these, all of these twelves begin to come into play as we understand. Right, that it's important again, cubed. This idea of being cubed is comes into great importance, right? Because it reminds us that uh, God is is we are that that the most holy place, which housed the ark of the covenant and the tabernacle and temple, has now become us. It has now become us. And so he measures all of these walls, everything. And in verse 18, he begins telling us the makeup of these things. And he says in Revelation twenty one eighteen, he says, and the building of the wall of it was of jasper and the city was pure gold, like a clear glass. And then he goes on and down in verse 20, he starts talking about all of these beautiful pictures of what this new city is like. Well, let me say this. First and foremost, cities are not generally measured like this, okay? It's just not. Cities are not measured like this. Length times width times height, right? Um, We might talk about the length or the width of a city, but we never talk about the height of a city. How tall is independence? Who knows and who cares, right? Right? How tall is Cincinnati? I don't know. It's got some tall buildings, but who cares, right? How tall is Chicago or New York? We don't care. There's some tall buildings there, but we don't talk about that. We talk about how big the city is, how wide it is, how how big of a circumference it takes up, but here, God makes it an, an important issue for us to know that this is a squared city. It is a squared city. Again, to remind us of the of the of of, of the uh, of the ark, of the place that held the holy of holies, that held the the ark of the covenant, and then he goes on and he starts talking about all the beautiful things that are there, the security of the of the city that is overwhelming, um, and 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 the fact that 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 all of this would have been um, absolutely, um, what I want to say, uh, astounding to the early early Christians as they heard this, right? And, and the beauty of it was overwhelming. They would have never, and, and it's an amazing thing because even in contrast to Rome and all of her beauty and all of her glory, this city outshines even the glory of Rome and all of her magnificence. The, 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 the wealth of Rome and all of, her, all of her opulence is overshadowed by God's work. And I would say this, let me me just simply say that more than likely, I I can't say this 100%, but more than likely, um, these stones, uh, because they do correlate so closely to the stones that were in the breastplate of the high priest, that I think there's there's clear importance of us understanding that, of understanding this. That, that under the old covenant, one man, the high priest, he entered into the holy place, right? And he served, he served as a representative for all Israel. But because we are under the new covenant, and because our great high priest has done the work that no, man, no ordinary man could do, but God clothed in humanity, died on the cross, raised again on the third day, he is now our high priest, and as a result, he now makes us all priests to our God. We are now all priests to our God Paul or Peter makes this very clear in the, in first and second Peter. this is again uh, as he talks about the the pearls that are that are seen this is and, and the gold that is as transparent as glass, all of this th- there would have been there is there is nothing that you and I have ever seen like this in the history in our history, nothing that could ever be seen like this ever. Because it is beautiful, it is perfect, it is pure, it is holy, it is glorious, it is gracious, and it is from God. God's glory is going to fill all. And that's what John tells us here, isn't it? What does he say here? And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. There is no need for any artificial light because Christ is our light. And we need to understand that there is no barrier through, in Christ and through Christ. There is no barrier to our relationship with the Father. That if we come to Christ by grace through faith and and, and believing in his name and the work that he has done on our behalf, we can now come to the Father, pray directly to the Father, through the Son, through the agency of the Son. And it's amazing here because what John is revealing is a return to what we talked about this morning, which is the garden particularly as you go into revelation twenty two and you talk and God starts talking about trees and fruits and all these other things that he begins to talk about. this is again garden imagery, temple imagery. God has taken away the reproach of Adam and Eve from us from the sin that they brought upon our race when they sinned, and God is restoring the intimacy. Of their relation, our relationship or relationship, we've never fully known with God. Even though we 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 share in great blessings now in Christ, we will behold Him face to face in all of His in in in, in, in all of His His worshipful splendor that He allows us to see, and we will there bow down and worship King Jesus. And so we will through the blood of Christ we will be able to enjoy in this day what Adam and Eve enjoyed in the garden but it's better because it will never end. It will never end. What was forfeited at the true by the by eating of the tree of the fruit uh, of the knowledge of good and evil, right? What was what was forfeited there Christ has succeeded as being the last the second and the last Adam. In succeeding where Adam failed and those of us who are in him are able to enjoy the fruit of his labor but notice something interesting here because while it does talk about a new city Jerusalem do you know what else it goes on to talk about and this is amazing right because we often think that that, um, that there'll be no more you um, uh, well there'll be no more nations and there'll be no more anything but that's not what the bible says here look what it says in verse 24 and the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it and the kings of the earth do share or do bring their glory and honor into it it's amazing we think nations and kingdoms all this is just evil right well not when jesus is in charge and not when not when we are all purified from our sin and rescued from our sin and we are now perfect and pure we're able to rightly relate to one another and again we will we will we will rejoice and worship together as as kings and nations in the light of the presence of almighty God as saved people as saved individuals and these people and kings from all the nations are present here in this new heavens and this new earth. And, and so much so, do you notice what they're doing? They're flocking to the city of God to offer up the gifts to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And it says nothing will ever unclean ever enter into it. Now, how do we know that? Because everything that's unclean, as we've, we already saw last week in Revelation 21, has already been done away with. They're all now in the lake of fire. All the detestable, the, 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 all of the wicked, all those who are not found and written in the Lamb's Book of Life are now being judged and punished. All those who were found in the Lamb's Book of Life have been purified and now walk in the light of Christ. And let me say this, brothers and sisters, it is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that makes the difference. It is the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that makes the difference. Those who are holy will enter there, but not based on their holiness based upon Christ's holiness. Those who live there will live there because their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done. And this was was determined from before the foundation of the world by God himself choosing us in Christ. And so let me just sort of conclude in this way. The picture here is not so much about a place, but about God and his people. It is not, about a pl- it's not so much about a place than it is rather about God and his people. There's nothing else like it in the book of Revelation. Right? There's nothing else like it. It's beautiful poetic language that God gives to us. And what it describes will certainly come to pass. There will come a time in which God will, 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 will do exactly what he says will happen here. when the abominable and all those things will be judged. And only what is holy and true are left because of Christ. Because of his cleansing us from our sin. and it's interesting as we as we close out that as as we think of this time of communion with God and with Christ who has redeemed us that we we as the 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 bride of Christ will be able to are able now even now to look forward to that time and that place in which we will dwell with him forever and ever John says and Uh, John chapter 14, Jesus says, and excuse me, in John chapter 14, John records it for us, though, that this is our hope. We should not, we should look forward to the coming of Christ, to the day when all rights are made wrong, or when all wrongs are made right, excuse me, when Christ is glorified, when Christ is honored. Listen to what Jesus says here in John 14, though. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may also be. And where I, where I go, you know. And the way, you know in a world filled with all sorts of craziness and outright kookiness, when common sense has been jettisoned and it seems as if the wicked prevail on a daily basis, let not your hearts be troubled, little flock. Look to Christ. Look to Christ. He is victorious. He has won already. There is nothing that takes him by surprise. He wins In the end, all things will be made right. Let's pray. Father, as we close our time, my prayer is that you would be glorified um, in what has been said, that that our hearts would not be troubled, but in the times of chaos and indecision and um, uh, cowardliness and timidness and all sorts of other things, Lord, that That we would see Christ displayed in us and through us. That we would walk with Christ and humble ourselves before Christ. And that Christ would be glorified. Let us look to that day in which we are able to behold Christ with our eyes face to face in that day we look forward to. And until then, may we be faithful. And may you cause us to remain faithful and persevere. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.